I don't I don't mean to rush mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's New Year's Eve. It is. And not because, you know, we have big plans, but rather traditionally on New Year's Eve, we have our niece and now niece and nephew come over for a New Year's Eve uh, kitty friendly dance party. Oh. So we're in the final throes of, of getting this ready. However, this year we had to skip it because we don't, we're not well. Right. Right. So we're doing something a little more low-key this time. We're going to uh, grab some Persian food, go to grandma's house, and then have to go to an arcade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Good. I like it. I've never been a New Year's person. Even I'm still relatively young, I guess. But even in my young, young days, I was never like excited about it or never. I mean, I did a couple of things, but this year like we do the same thing. We just kind of... It's our little holiday or whatever. We just have an evening at home, charcuterie, movies, that kind of stuff, some sparkling beverages. Yeah. Um, but no, never been into it in terms of like extravaganza or going out or anything like that. Never appealed to me. I, I've never had a good time. Well, I shouldn't say never. I mean, when I was a teenager, sure. was, you'd go out and do something to be fun. But there was an age, somewhere around 25, when I think my old prefrontal cortex finally just took its own shape but i'm like i don't like this anymore and and stopped um especially that uh, you know kind of sub- submitting to that peer pressure mm-hmm. of its new year's so you gotta do something it's like do i can i just go to can i just go to bed just go to bed yeah exactly i i mean there have been years i've just gone to bed at like 11 or whatever right. that's funny you say about 25 because i was in my early 20s too when i had that that new year's moment i think where a bunch of us got on the go train went downtown toronto I went to the square. First time I'd ever done it, never done it before. And it sucked. Right. It was terrible. <laughs> like it's just a bazillion people in the cold yeah. <laughs> waiting. Yeah. And there's a band somewhere way at the front that you can't hear. Cause unless you get there at like eight in the morning or whatever, can't hear, you know, can't see it, can't hear. And it's just like, this is silly. And then at like 1202, I said to my buddy, like, just want to go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got back on the go train. The only thing good about New Year's in that sense is that the go train and everything is free. So no, no cost to ride. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but we just and went with no, like, did you guys have a couple like, uh, Mickey's in the pockets or yep. yeah. Hello travelers. Yeah. We were just in New York for work <clears throat> and, um, you know, I did the thing where I'm going to go at Christmas to Rockefeller center oh. and see the tree. And go to FAO Schwartz and walk through the toy store and see the ice skaters, etc. You know, because the movies, you do the, I, I got to do it and see. Right? Home Alone and everything. Yep. It was horrible, man. It was horrible. <laughs> it was not fun. The tree was pretty, the toy store, I get it. And it's pretty awesome. And maybe when it's not like Christmas time, it's likely fun. What I actually wanted to do was probably go to a store that doesn't exist anymore, which was Gimbel's, which is, I guess, a department store. That's the one you always saw in the movies, but no longer is. So like, okay. But the FAO Schwartz, they had the big piano and stupid stuff and everything. But as you're talking about like New Year's downtown, um, I was just thinking how awful it must be at our age to go to like Times Square and sit there during that mayhem. I, for my entire life, I heard about the ball dropping, you know, right. the Times Square ball, but I didn't know what it meant. Like Dick Clark, New Year's Eve, rocking New Year's Eve, whatever. And you're right, in the movies, it said, it's just this phrase that's said around New Year's. I never knew what it meant. And I think during COVID, Maya was doing like a, a shift at the hospital and I was just flipping through the channels and there's Ryan Seacrest. I was like, all right, well, I'll watch it, whatever. And then I watched the ball. Have you ever seen this? Have you seen the ball? Literally the ball drop? Not in person, but I've watched on it TV. On TV. Yeah. yeah. Like it's four and a half seconds. Yeah. And it's this thing that just, it's like a roller coaster or whatever. Just like, and then it's like, that's what they've been referring to my entire life mm-hmm. about the ball dropping. Like it's not, <laughs> New Year's Eve is the, is the epitome of building up to nothing, I think. Oh, I would agree with that. I mean, look, the ball people have a very good marketing department. Yeah. 
I, as a, as a youngster, we'd go to different New Year's parties. And that was always the thing that was on the tube somewhere mm-hmm. you know, in New York, the ball drop. Uh, I don't fully understand it. I'm sure there's a history to it that's likely entirely made up, <clears throat> but it's a thing. And then I thought as I'm walking through all of these Christmas crowds in this tourist trap area that, gosh, the New Year's thing, whenever you see it on TV, it's really n- not a lot of people doing anything. Yeah other than a lot of standing around, right? And just waiting for a, a time <laughs> to occur. And the TV right. producers, every time they come in, like, okay, in five seconds, everyone's going to look happy and smile and dance around. Right. And it's just, it's hours and hours. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So not for not for us. Not for me. I'm not okay with all me. of that. There's We're in, I was just in the car, picking up some steaks because we're going to have uh, pancakes and steaks tomorrow. And uh, I thought to myself, uh, this, this period that we're in right now is, a, is an unusual time, that time between Christmas I was just gonna say and that. New Year's. So I did some research. It, the Europeans, they know exactly what we're talking about. They have words for it. The Germans have words for it. The Danes have words for it. The Swedish. We're, we have yet to actually define this period. The Germans, it, I think it loosely translated to between the years. Oh. Which I thought was actually really nice. Oh, German I, words. They're great. I'm sitting here in this between the year angst. So we're the audience. Do I, do I work? Oh, I tried a little bit. But is it too much? Or are there people working? Or should I not work? Should I take time off? What day is it? Right. Should I, should I be more reflective of my year? Should I be planning for my... Like, I've got that constant, like, I don't know how to behave during this gray area that's not... When I was a kid, it was very well... It was well-defined, right? It's the, it's the holiday break. That's it. There's no school have fun until New Year's and then you go back to school. Mm -hmm. And even here, it turns out after it's another week after that, because of the way the dates fall, they've got another week where they don't do anything. So that's easy as a kid, but as an adult, are you experiencing any of this between the years angst? (laughs) I actually am going to pat myself on the back this year because normally, yes, I have that every year as I'm sure lots of people in North America do. But this year I gave myself the between the years break. Now, part of what I do allows me to do that. So when I teach at the universities and the colleges here, they just shut down. So that makes it easy. It's not like I have to go in. There are no classes, nothing's happening. And then the self-employed version of myself just said for the next two weeks, I'm not, I'm not working. I'm off. Sent the email to the clients and just said, between these dates, I'm not around. (laughs) If you need help now, let's do it. If you can wait until... The second week of January, that's cool too. So I basically just removed everything this year and just said from, you know, whatever, the Saturday before Christmas until middle of next week, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, that's my between the years that I'm just, I'm chilling. I would love to have done that because I'm now the, yeah, I'm like a CFO and a CAO and uh, (laughs) I'm just a bunch of O's. And so now I'm busy again. Uh, at a time where I'm like, okay, well, the year end is the year end. Let the let the bookkeeping and the accounting take care of itself. Well, that's that's for sure. Um, <sighs> I think it's interesting too, culturally speaking, because a lot of you, I'm sure for you as well, like our clients who are not North American, who are South American, European, whatever, right. like they responded and was like, well, "What do you mean? Like we have we had no expectation that there would be <laughs> anything. <laughs> like it is yeah. uh, between the years, <laughs> weeks. It's a very North American thing where like." Maya reminded me, I think, like Boxing Day is not a holiday in the U.S. Like the nope. 26th nope. of December is a work day. Right. And that just racked my brain of like, you have this, if you celebrate Christmas, you have this 25th day of, it's built up like New Year's and you have this meal and this everything. And then you wake up in the morning, you go to work. I mean, that that just, and I, I mean, we here we only have one other day, but it's it's just, maybe that's a reflective point, you know? Maybe the, the between the years is a thing that that should be implemented here in some in some way, or not, or not. You could just do away with the whole thing, right, and stop the 
all right, it's New Year's. We have to do something. You uh, know? Um, I mean, it's just it could just be the first of the month, honestly. I don't know if it requires a celebration. No. Or just find maybe like this sort of secular break where we just call it between the years. That's what I mean. I Just some kind of and downtime for, yeah. where it's just not work-centered. It doesn't have to celebrate anything, but just I do think once or twice a year there should just be a between the whatever solstices where right. there's a, a five-day break because people need yep. breaks. I'm not one of the guys who subscribes to this notion where uh, Christmas as a federal holiday is uh, racist <laughs> or no exclusionary. I don't know, but I get it because <clears throat> it is, you know, in a way it's, it's sort of like, Hey, you know, you're not Christian. We're going to give you the day off anyway. Mm -hmm. And whatever else you guys celebrate, good luck. <laughs> I guess legally you can take the day off, but nobody's going to understand why. I think that sucks. Right. So, because I, I know more and more and more people who don't celebrate Christmas and don't give, you know, two craps about New Year's mm -hmm. uh, and whose fiscal year end for some reason has to be December 31st. So they're kind of like, I, I would rather just like do some light work, uh, maybe have a long weekend and uh, start back up again, you know, and take a vacation like a normal person, like at a time that I choose as opposed to collectively and in inconvenient half in half out way, all of society sort of takes time off. That's the thing that bothers me. If we all collectively agreed, we're not going to do this for reasons, then that would be, that'd be great. Okay. Now I can submit to it kind of like a lockdown. This is what it's going to be. Right. But this kind of one foot in the canoe, one foot in the dock is the angst that I'm also feeling. The problem is when the dates are not, or they're fixed, right? It's the 25th of December, it's the 1st of January. Because you said something that's interesting, where if it was just a long weekend, right? And there are holidays where the holiday is whatever it is, but it's just Monday is not a work day, or Friday, or like whatever. And if it was just like when Christmas is a Wednesday, <laughs> you go to work, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday's off, and you're back on, like, that's silly. Even if you celebrate, to me, that's silly because it's not, there's no break, there's nothing happening. But if it was just a long weekend, well, that's interesting. If, if we were to commute, like, take all of the, the holidays and just say, okay, let's throw them in a, in a jar and shake them up, dump them out on the table, and uh, you can't see what the holiday is or anything like that. And let's just lay them Scrabble. out over the year, right? And just make like a new, like a collective, here's the schedule that we're all going to follow, which is, you know, maybe every six weeks, it's one week off. Mm -hmm. We're all off. We all know we have a name for it. It's like this, the six plus week or something. We have a name, <laughs> you know, like they have the Aguinaldo. It's the 13th yes. month. Uh, it would be neat if we had that thing where we all collectively agree we're going to just spend time with our families. We're not going to go to work, um, stock up on groceries. There'll be some essential things open, but otherwise, you know, get ready because the seventh week is coming or something. <laughs> I would dig that. That sounds interesting. I like that. I'm not going to go along with any of this. Yeah, I like that. You can't, uh, I don't know if the camera, can you see my shirt? I, I can a bit. You know what it says there? Uh, Swifty? Yeah. That's, Why does it say Swifty? Swifty. So, I don't know if you're, a, if you're an NFL guy. No. Uh, well, I'm not a Swifty either, but. Yes. You know, I'm well, part of society. Worlds have been colliding, I guess, as they say. Uh, remember the yes. Seinfeld episode, Relationship George and Independent <laughs> yeah. George? Right. If Relationship George comes in that door, he will kill mm -hmm. Independent George. That's right. Um, so my partner, Maya, is a huge Taylor Swift fan. Mm -hmm. And she is in a relationship with a very, very famous, well, great player in, in the NFL. And Your partner or, or Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift. No, not me. <laughs> not my partner. Uh -huh. right. Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, is his name, who plays for the Chiefs. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, and I don't know, for some reason... Well, worlds are colliding, I suppose, because <laughs> okay. all of these Taylor Swift fans 
now support well support taylor but if taylor's supporting something then how it goes so my brother right for christmas got me this this t-shirt that i'm wearing which says swifty but in the chief's graphic oh my god because they're they're getting it together and there's a lot of uh worlds actually are colliding it's it's largely uninteresting but there's a lot of nfl hardcore people who are upset that she's getting a lot of attention at because she goes to the games and she's cheering and everything like this Uh and then though the swifty fans are coming over too and there's there's different meshes of things it's very kind of an interesting dynamic that's happening over nothing because she's just another famous person who likes watching a game which is which is nothing but now i have a swifty maya says i'm not allowed to be there's a test i have to take before i can actually get right you can't go around saying that exactly i knew that i knew no yep. you can't say that however it is a way that now i can turn on a football game and she'll watch because well she won't That's she'll awesome. watch 10 minutes there's of a, it <laughs> because there's she, a chance Taylor's the camera will pan to her somewhere in a box <laughs> exactly yeah i think look anybody in the united states in a test there's uh, a lot of room for people to be galled and outraged at just about any stupid thing mm-hmm. uh, this is no exception i think it's fant- I'm, I'm sure the nfl is not complaining no about having extra viewership and uh, selling extra tickets and, and people lining up around a stadium wearing the merchandise that they're selling um, so you know good for them i i feel I was, I was, I was gonna about to say i feel bad for the gentleman she's dating but when I consider all of the things that he's got going for him at this moment, I don't. No, no. However, no pressure, right? Like you, you're, uh, you're going to end up the next album if you're not careful. Right. Well, there was a, a meme going around when it, when they announced it or that they were dating about how he's either, he's in a no win position or basically he breaks up with her and people hate him and there comes an album. She breaks up with him. <laughs> same result. Or they stay together forever and same results because now she gets distracted or whatever from her career and she's developing a family or whatever. So it was kind of a joke, but he will become an album one way or the other. Tay-Tay always comes out of these clean. That's the deal, right? Mm -hmm. She can do no wrong. Even when she does a little bit of wrong, it's like, well, she's human. (laughs) (laughs) But then otherwise she's not. So, well, yeah, she's I, getting the, the NFL people that are outraged are now because the Chiefs are not having a good season by their standards. And this Travis gentleman is not performing very well. So instead of saying, actually, he's he needs to work on his game. Well, of course, it's it's the Taylor factor, right? He's right. distracted because no other athlete has ever dated somebody ever and then played poorly as a coincidence. It's never happened before. If I were his uh, PR agent. It wouldn't take a lot of brainstorming. I already know how to get out of all of this. Two words. Terminal cancer. This is the only way that you get out of this clean. You, you have to die of a lingering disease. Not too long, but long enough <clears throat> that everyone, like the nation's going to rally around you. We're going to lose you. And uh, you're going to be a hero. Taylor comes out clean. Exactly. Yeah. I think and so. And your jersey's retired. It's the only right. way. And then I mean, we all got to go. You make a remarkable, you gotta, remarkable recovery, uh, right. you know, nine or 10 months later, people have forgotten about it and everyone's happy for you. It's either that or Super Bowl win. <laughs> Which they've done two already. <laughs> so they're good. No, it's, they're just having a year where they're not good. But they're, it's the old TC. That's all you got left, buddy. <laughs> Call me. You'll be, you'll be interested in this. How they are, allegedly the story of how, because you may wonder, how does one, even among famous people, just how do you meet Taylor Swift? How does that happen? Uh, this gentleman, Travis, with his brother, who also plays in the NFL, they have a podcast together. Oh, God. The Kelsey's. <laughs> uh-huh. And allegedly the story is they he was just talking on his podcast about how he, he really wanted to meet her and, and he liked her and he went to her concert and wanted Ooh. to like, like, hey, I'm Travis Kelsey, go backstage and like talk to her. And security was like, no, I don't care who you are. That's no. So he was just describing the story on his podcast and... You know, I guess someone heard it, someone passed it on to somebody, someone passed it on to her. Yada, yada, yada. They're, they're dating now. So the power of podcasting, bringing people together. I'm going to tell you right now, if he ends up getting terminal cancer, they're listening. <laughs> they're all listening to what we're saying here. 
Because, I mean, maybe there is an algorithm. Because she, at her concerts, has the facial recognition for everyone that comes in. Because she's got some serious stalkers. Like, she's got some real problems, problems, right. you know. And um, her life is, is not fun. I, I'm sure of that. There's a, there's a chance that they're scraping all of the podcasts for her name and looking for word associations. So we have to be super careful here because mm. who knows, one day we'll be trying to get into the T-Mobile center or something and we'll be refused, <laughs> right? Because we said something about Tay-Tay. Terminal cancer. Can't get in. Can't get in. TC. <laughs> That's what it says right there. Sorry, sir. TC. Sorry, Tay-Tay. Have you been in any way like pensive reflective, you know, just kind of recapitulating this year, thinking about what 2023 sort of, wait, 2020, nope. it's the end of 2023. Yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I get confused. Have you thought about this? Like what, what this year sort of has been or meant or. I think I always like get that. a little pensive or nostalgic at the end of the year in this in between the years. Right. Phase. Do you know the German word? What is the German word? Mm, I'd like I'll to use it. it it's good. It'll be the show title. We'll do okay. that. Is it odd or is it German? <laughs> it's German. <laughs> That's funny, by the way. I really have been enjoying that because we also saw a guy that was Persian and we're trying to figure out, is it what and is it Persian? We don't know what the what is yet, though. Mm-hmm. The German, odd for sure. Odd for sure. Mm. Um, yeah, I think so. And I, I'm always thinking about that. But for me, honestly, I thought about this yesterday. I, I really liked my year this year. And I'm kind of proud of what I was able to do and some things that I would change, of course, but thinking about what those are and there were periods of times where I was, you know, said yes to too many things and was probably too busy and this and that. But honestly, if I could just repeat this year, next year, you know, 90% of it, I'd be really happy. Whoa. That's nice to get to a place where you're um, content. Yeah. Um, some things that I would want to do better, just having more balance and maybe travel a little bit more and do some different things. Um, but largely I like the work that I'm doing. I like how it fits into my life. I like how mine and I have developed together. I like where we're going a first year and owning a home together and growing from that. And I think it's, for me, it's, it's been a pretty good year and, you know, a little bit more balance here and there, but that would be kind of nitpicking i think it's it's been pretty Mm -hmm. good and i guess the challenge is just to kind of keep keep going with it and making sure that you're able to keep that and i guess the biggest reflection for me is to not let a lot of the work priorities interfere with some of the non-work priorities because the priorities are the opposite and just being able to cut it off and i I started doing something in the fall where i just turned my computer off at six o'clock p.m Because I found if I just, I would always walk away and have dinner and whatever. But if it was on, I'd come back and like pack away at something at 7.30 or 8 o'clock or whatever. And it's just like, mentally, it was just like not shutting off, you know. So I started turning off the computer at 6 o'clock. And then it like wasn't an option. So that was one thing that kind of helped with that. So that's kind of going to be the thing where just making sure you have those those stopping cues. Mm-hmm. When I was reading... um a couple of those Cal Newport books, mm-hmm. you know, deep work, and, uh, digital minimalism and all that fun stuff. He, he really strongly suggested that at the end of your, you know, he calls them time blocks for work. Mm-hmm. You have an actual tick box. That's your shutdown time. And he even suggested that you, you say, you know, shutting down and like cue yourself that, Hey, I'm done this part of my, my life and my work now. And I'm going to go focus on something else or just focus on nothing else. Right. So it used to be for me when I lived at the beach, I always remember it's about four or four 30 that the the sun, the sun was starting to slowly make its descent into the ocean. And I'm like, that was my cue to just shut everything down, put on some board shorts and go to the beach. Right. And just swim around or go for a walk or boogie board or or do something. And it was so easy to completely, like literally wash the work away. Um, And we say these things as if we don't enjoy our work, right? That's the the funny thing is, is that one of the reasons that we don't want to stop or shut down is because we're liking what we're doing, Exactly, you know? Um, Yeah. Some people with job jobs that hate them, it's very easy to (laughs) out and go home. That's not a problem. No, I think it is is a self-employed thing where... If you love, and it just, because the time 
block is irrelevant. I think that's where I, that's my challenge is trying to fit that into, because you have in a weird way, the freedom or the option is the, the, the curse because you could do it anytime and you could, so where do I put it? And then how do you make it consistent? And so that's, that's what I was challenged with this year of trying to like, okay, I've, I've carved out this little life where I can move things around, which is what I want. But then when do I stop or when do I do it? And I, the beach example is a good one, I think, because when the sun sets, that's a nice stopping cue of like, well, I'm going to go enjoy the sunset. It sounds like that's right. what you did. That's what I did. I'm going to reinvigorate this kind of habit by, you know, just going for like a walk or something. I'm going to, okay, you know, it's, it's a certain time of day now. I'm just going to go for a long walk and I'm not going to bring my phone or anything. I'm just going to go walk around outside, something like that. <clears throat> something that I'm physically doing that gets me in and out of a space. This year, I've, I've been spending a lot more time and attention on being grateful, like really stopping and being grateful for the things that I not only have, but the people that are in my life, you know, and getting off the sort of that treadmill towards nothing, that, uh, that consumerism, that, that thing where it's like, if I just look around now, it's like, I am blessed with all the things that three, four years ago, I would have always, I, I wished I had, you know, I wished I had this studio or I wish I had this guitar or I wish I had this, this depth of relationship with someone or, oh, and it's like, but then you have all those things. I mean, it is a, seems to be our nature to be discontent with whatever it is we have. Mm -hmm. So I, I make a lot of concerted effort to stop and go, Hey, you know what? I should enjoy this. Like just, uh, yesterday was an example that. of waking up and just feeling the sheets on your body and how nice they are in the morning, like how nice that feels. And then to look out the window and, and see the sky and the trees and the river there that we have beside our place and, and, and wake up and, and brew coffee, you know, and just smell the grinds and all, I mean, it sounds cheesy, but it's, it's all of those things that that is your life. Those are the little things that compile ultimately what it is that you're doing. And the more that I've been doing it, the less I've needed and felt like I need to go out and do anything. Like, you know, we've been doing a lot less groceries in the last four to six months, not because, uh, well, there's financial reasons for sure, but there's other where it's like, boy, we've made so many delicious meals with all of these things that we already have, right? So we've gotten to this place where it's like, let's eat all the fruits and vegetables basically down to zero and then go buy a bunch of new fruits and vegetables, right? That kind of thing. And it's felt really more balanced, uh, more like I don't, I'm not racing towards trying to achieve something in my life. It's like I am achieving something in my life. Love it. That's great. That's great. And when I said, like, I, if I could repeat this year and next year, I think a lot of that is, is what I mean as well. Like, you don't always have to want more or strive to more. I think ambition is good. But in terms of work and having a company or, like, whatever we're doing, making money, to what end, you know? There's a lot of these financial people that I've been following, and some of them are, like, whatever. But a lot of the good ones are just, like, well, to what end, right? <laughs> like, what is the life that you want to live? And then what kind of work and money fit in to allow for for that. It's like a life first thing. And then what do you need in order to do that, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of things that I'm doing now, you know, traveling once or twice a year, kind of long weekends here, shutting down at, you know, six o'clock, sleeping in from time to time. That That's just really nice. And I, I enjoy that. And can do things or not do things. And just having that kind of, generic word balance but just kind of like a life that i'm enjoying and that i'm enjoying with my partner and that we can do things together that's what i want and then the the how of achieving that is through work and then the work that i enjoy etc but it's not work 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 earn this much money but then be busy so, so busy that you can't actually spend it or use it or or whatever you know like it's do the things that i want to do first and then how do i get there and I think this year was the first year probably ever that I felt really good about that kind of balance. And now just kind of, instead of, I could easily say, well, next year I want to do like 20% more or whatever, but no, I, I would just even 20% less so that I could do more of the life stuff that I want to do. Right. It's, I, I like to 
think again, you know, when I'd mentioned if I, you know, five years ago, I looked at what I had now, I'd be like, wow, that's amazing. Like that's the thing that I'm actually trying to get towards. And similarly with the work, uh, you know, there's just, there's always days where it's like a lot. And then there's days where it's not, and there's days where you love it and there's days where you don't. But in the broad stroke that I'm thinking, uh, to have an opportunity to do the work that I do on my own terms and work with the type of people that I enjoy and love working with and the type of clients that we love serving, it's ridiculous. Like, again, if I look back 15 years ago, making $7 an hour, uh, teaching English 10 hours a week, struggling to determine which packet of uh, bologna I can afford to make my sandwiches. You know, I, I'm like, wow. A lot of the things that I had actually dreamed of and envisioned for myself, I was able to, you, you know, whether you, without the woo-woo word, to manifest into reality. It's remarkable. And then it just shows me how much change and opportunity exists in front of you to not worry about because it enables that continuous growth and evolution of your life. Mm -hmm. And I find that it's not as much of a grind and a goal-oriented and ambitious task when you get to actually step out a little bit from the whole process and sort of just kind of enjoy watching it unfold as you're participating in it. And it's more like, this is actually interesting to watch. <laughs> happen instead of stressing because you're in it you know it's like watching a movie not being in the movie right it's the taking it's the stepping back from the from the mural right when you're right up against the wall you only see that one little spot in front of you but when you take 20 steps backwards you can see the full picture and this between the years phase that we're in at least for me is allowed it always allows me to do that if i allow myself to take a bit of time and step back because you get like i really resonate with what you just said where clients are great i get to work with these really awesome people learn from them, work with them, help them. That's what it's all about. Everything else is just comes out in the wash, but I'm grateful for that. And I'm, I'm really lucky to be able to do that in all the projects that, that I'm a part of. And the between the years is always a reflective moment, not just, but for me, but for that too. It's like, oh yeah, wow, I am, I am really grateful. I mean, during COVID at the right the beginning, I was on, on uh, EI, <laughs> like job was gone, money wasn't, right. I was on, you know, and just a couple of years later, I'm, I'm here. So it's always easy to say what's next. But when you look back and, and like you said, do that, it's like, holy cow, that's a that's a great place to be. And I mean, ultimately, do I have goals? Of course, like I would want I want to do these things, but I'm very happy with where I'm at. And I don't need more to be happy, which is I'm happy to be able to say that as well. I, I have two. I'm not a resolution person. I famously have sworn that I, I resolve to do nothing <laughs> next year. <laughs> However, um, you, you can't help but think that this is a chance to at least not necessarily say that calendar tick means I'm going to change something about myself. That's just not how change seems to really happen. But it is an opportunity to, again, be a little more introspective about what we would like to see of ourselves over the course of the next calendar year. And I've come to two. One of them is uh, talk less, right? Listen more. Mm -hmm. I, I get off on rants, you know, <laughs> which is probably why I'm really good at sales. Uh, you know, and probably why a lot of people don't like spending a, a great deal of time with me. That's one. And then the other is to not uh, take myself so damn seriously. Interesting. In in not just the general sense, where it's like, you know, don't take yourself so seriously. In the little minutia of the day-to-day, -day, it's in those details, in those moments, where those little things that that frustrate you or upset you or anger you or you, you are disappointed in, in whatever is going on in your life, I can catch myself pretty frequently being mostly upset with myself and thinking that my own self-importance in this situation is the, is the problem, you know? So that's the, my two is, uh, you know, talk less, listen more, which is kind of two, but it's one together. I think. How did you come to the second one? Not taking myself too seriously mm -hmm. because you know, we here in our home, 
we've started realizing my, my partner realized about two, three years ago, though I've been telling her for eight that I'm funny. <laughs> and she said, if you tell me that you're funny, it means that you're not right. If you have to tell people that you are, then you're not. And I said, but okay, I want you to try this notice in social settings with other people, how often people are laughing at what I say. She's like, fuck, everyone's laughing all the time. You're, you're actually kind of funny. And now when she sees that I'm actually usually just being dry or just being witty or just being whatever, because, you know, British, she's like, oh, you're actually kind of fun to be around. You're really easygoing. And that reminded me of how important it is to not, again, take yourself so seriously, but we haven't been taking each other too seriously and starting to expand that out into our other social circles where we really do laugh at ourselves and our stupidities and our tendencies a lot to a point where we're very comfortable making fun of each other. Mm -hmm. And it really just, it disarms so many situations. Um, so that's, I think what's been the impetus of it. Nice. Laughter is important. Laughter is, is, you are funny, by the way. I do think you're funny. <laughs> you needed that validation. You are, you are <laughs> Thank funny. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, are you, are you doing anything differently? Do you have any intent? It's like, I'm going to hit the gym tomorrow. <laughs> no, I'm not a gym guy. I do exercise at home here. Um, yeah. But three times a week. I'm happy with that. And then one kind of yoga day or, or something like that, um, which is, which is good. So kind of three, four times a week. Harder in the winter, which I'm trying to, just because it's dark and it, mornings are harder to get. I do it in the morning because it gets my day going. And I do notice my days are much more productive on days that I exercise in the morning versus when I don't. Um, mm -hmm. That works for me. So trying to do three or four days in the morning but and really focusing on the we're in the winter now. So just making sure I get up and do it. I want to, I, I always say, I think every year I say this, I love to read. I'm a reader and I've gotten out of that habit a little bit. And that's part of the balance where I just haven't, really dedicated time, a dedicated space, a block of time each day to read. And during the between the years, I've gotten back into reading. So I want to make sure that I find, you know, nothing absorbing, but 20 minutes a day, a block to, to do some reading, 20 to 30 minutes. Because I do, I love, I love to read and I love learning from, from reading and from books. And I want to make sure that, that I do that. The name today that I have is Sleepwalker, because I just started reading this book that Mai got me for Christmas called why we sleep by matthew walker Ooh. have you read that oh no okay just started it um but it's a really really famous book and he has a ted talk and it's like really really good about the power of sleep which is i guess not a secret people know this or i knew this kind of generally but he really goes into the science and the minutiae of it and why why we sleep and really what happens if we don't and it's right. really fascinating i've uh last about two years ago, I was reading some stuff. I think Ariana Huffington was really into advocating for people getting sleep, which sounds ridiculous, but it's, <laughs> we live in a world where sometimes we forget that it's important. Yeah. And uh, I actually really started building a lot of my habits with sleep at its center because um, I, I just objectively have better days when I'm rested. My mood's better. I lose weight. I exercise at the gym and I feel good. I a nutrition, I'll eat right. Cause I'm, you know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that just naturally fall out of having, for me, I found is uh, seven hours of a pretty, you know, good sleep is my magic zone. Um, yeah. So I, I get it. I, I'm interested in this book, but yeah, the I mean, it's not, it is measuring a science. Like it is exactly like I've gone through a couple of chapters and just, he starts it with like the, the big statements of like, you know, sleep can kill you basically if you don't, don't do it. And there's like an example of like a person who didn't sleep for 12 months straight and they died. <laughs> like it does, it does basically kill you. And eight to nine hours is kind of the, the funky zone that he says that you want to strive for eight or nine hours. And then the chapter I just finished was about, I forget the name of this particle in your brain, but it's basically like it builds up during the day. And then while you're asleep at night, it comes back down and ideally it would go back down to zero but if it doesn't go back down to zero, meaning you didn't sleep for between seven and nine hours, or you know you were in bed but kind of not good sleep, and the other things that like beer and coffee that affect good sleep and things like that, it doesn't go back down to zero. Then it starts to build up faster, yep. and it's basically like like a debt 
like a debt loan <laughs> where each paycheck, more of it is going back to pay the loan. And that's why you can feel tired for days and days and days in a row. Even if you think, oh, I slept for eight hours last night. Why do I feel tired? It's because the day before that, the day before that, the day before that. So you need right. days and maybe, maybe weeks, depending, to actually get that thing back down to zero. Right. And it's just like really, really, really fascinating. Sleep rhythm um, was something that I noted. Was if you get on a three or four day sleep streak, uh, I mean your mood's better. Yeah, that's there's garbage garbage collection that seems to happen in the brain while you're sleeping as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I stopped quantifying a lot of my life about two three months ago. Right, I bought um, I, I collect like cheap watches now, okay. <laughs> like Timex and Seikos and Nordgreens and stuff. They're like $50, $60 watches. Because I, I, I used to have an Apple watch. I track my sleep. I track my exercise. I track my cal. I track, track, track. And then I finally got to a place where it's like, I get it. I know roughly what yes. the caloric intake needs to be, what my sleep needs to be, what time I get to bed. Like I've figured out and practically optimized all of that to a point that I don't need to continue to have those metrics, right? In, including like I just bought a bunch of folders and papers and pens and stuff and I'm doing less, I'm doing more writing for work, like writing on paper and organizing thoughts and I've got a coffee and a piece of paper and a pen. And I'm like, I have some of my best thoughts and some of my best ideas nice. doing stuff that way. The point was, is sleep was always one of those central things that I had noted that my, I would lift lefts at the gym I would eat more saturated processed calories during the day. Uh, my mood was worse. Um, all of these, a whole variety of other metrics were altered entirely because of that sleep. And mm-hmm. if I got that sleep part right, everything else just fell into place. Everything else was so easy. Your optimism level was super high. You know, For sure. it, just, it works. For sleep sure. is good. And the book goes into the science of why that is, not to for everyone with the details but yeah it's just like because when you're tired you feel hungry even though you're not hungry so then you eat and what you know all these kinds of things as well and the the weight loss thing or the, or the exercise he basically says if you're dieting and you're trying to lose weight or gain muscle and exercise going on a good diet or, or going to the gym is irrelevant if you don't sleep for eight hours don't a day sleep. does not matter has zero effect <laughs> because while you're asleep all these things are happening and yep. if you're not asleep for enough time, your body doesn't actually do the things required to lose weight or gain muscle or whatever it is you're doing. So sleep is, and you can lose weight just by sleeping eight hours a day. <laughs> like you don't have to do anything else. Like it's, That's he right. calls it the superpower, which scientifically, according to him, it, it really is. Well, I mean, I've been cutting body fat for the last two years and um, it's hugely important, especially for muscle growth in my age, you know, all of that muscle synthesis is taking place while you're sleeping, not while you're walking around or working. And you're as well, you're burning a lot of fat provided um, you're careful not to eat within a certain window before bed, mm-hmm. right? So if I have like an actual one or two beers before bed, I'm going to have a crap night's sleep because I'm processing all that sugar, alcohol, and carbs instead of my body doing all of the other functions that it wants to be doing while I'm sleeping. So all of that stuff kind of led to, again, there was this cascading effect. It's like I ended up cutting alcohol because it's like I didn't, my workouts were not as good. I wasn't getting to sleep as well. So it's just when I put sleep at the center of it, everything else had to naturally work around that. And it's now you're seeing like in, you know, with the Silicon Valley and the tech bros and all those douche balls, there's two things that are like the, the, the brag, the flex is one, I'm, I'm jacked or I'm ripped because I have time right. <laughs> right, to exercise five days a week and I'm super rested, right? Like I'm bragging about how much sleep I'm getting every night. What about at 8.30? And, right. Yeah. Um, which is kind of like sad that that's a flex, but at the same time, I can't argue with that's better than a lot of the other things that, that CEOs would be flexing on. Right. Right. I mean, yes. Um, According to this guy, like you just eight hours of sleep per day, you know, whenever, um, though the evolutionary rhythm of, of humans is during the daytime. So, you know, some people are, are night owls or, or whatever, but basically eight hours a day is, is the rule of thumb. And beer is, I think, an obvious one because we usually drink beer at night. And then therefore we connect the dots of not restful sleep because, oh, I had three beers at 11 p.m. or whatever. 
but he says most people don't can make connect the dots with caffeine right. where it takes this shocked me it takes six hours for our body or rather our brain to get rid of 50 percent of caffeine intake so if you have a coffee at five o'clock in the afternoon at 11 p.m only half of it has been removed from your brain and then when we don't sleep well nobody connects it or very few people would connect it to the coffee you had in the afternoon you think of something else you're stressed you're thinking about something you're distracted whatever but actually you know you have to have the last caffeine somewhere between 10 and 12 hours before you actually intend to sleep and then there's caffeine in, not just in coffee or tea but like chocolate and a whole bunch of other stuff where there's caffeine yep. as well i can't have a can of coke <laughs> at nine o'clock at night i'm gonna be up one in the morning like a baby like a baby who just got fed a bunch of ketchup or something like i'm gonna be crawling the walls they gave a study this is last thing i'll say about it because i think this is really cool they have a study on giving drugs to spiders (laughs) and then usually i would say having them but just i guess observing them build their webs so they get normal then they did lsd then speed marijuana and caffeine which one do you think obviously normal is normal so of the of the other ones which one do you think had the worst web production oh i'm i'm gonna guess that thc no really really that was pretty good actually in my expert web (laughs) interpretation (laughs) really are you going to say caffeine? It's caffeine. Seriously? Yeah. The thing that the go juice that we, we think is helping us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Huh. So not to draw a conclusion between the spider brain and the human brain, because I have no idea. But he said the caffeine has a huge, comparing it to the other ones, which are regulated and mostly illegal and this and that or whatever, but caffeine not, where it has a similar effect temporarily on at least a spider brain (laughs) and to kind of think about the caffeine intake that a normal and average human would would take in how it affects sleep and how it just affects function as well now the other ones were were also not good lsd wasn't like good and this kind of thing but caffeine was definitely the worst one which was really interesting i mean it aligns with what we're seeing that many of the um, commonly accessible drugs, alcohol, nicotine, caffeine, uh, sugar, if you want to argue that, are s- some of the most detrimental to our long-term health and well-being, some of the most dangerous things to consume, right? Are the things that you can just buy in every color, shape, flavor you can imagine. <laughs> so, uh, and everything else is a controlled substance. Yes. Right? So it's, uh, it's curious. I've, I've thought before there's been days where, like, I'm a coffee guy. I like, I really enjoy the ritual of the coffee in the morning. Me too. And there are mornings where it's like, that does give me the extra little kick that I do feel like I could use, but I'm not, I don't know about you. Uh, one of the folks that has like, if I don't have my coffee, I'm going to be grouchy. Like I've got a headache. Like I am definitely someone who uh, doesn't misuse caffeine, mm-hmm. but I know people that need it or they're going to, they're going to peel your face off. Needing it because you're dependent on it, I think is different from what the book is saying, but he's basically saying if you feel like you need a coffee in the morning to function or to be awake, then you're not getting enough sleep. Basically you're, you're waking up before you've got your full, your full cycle of, of sleep and the circadian rhythm hasn't, uh, <laughs> completed its cycle yet so right. really shouldn't be drinking coffee in this kind of optimal world until noon or so when most people's okay. rhythm has peaked but I, i'm with you I'm a, I'm a coffee in the morning person get it going yeah i mean the i would be fun i could see you wake up you have a giant glass of water uh or lemon water ideally you go for a big long walk you know read a book meditate by the time you get around to you know, farting around with all of your stuff. I definitely get that it would be, hey, it's mid-afternoon, like maybe one o'clock. I'm going to have a, I'm going to pull up the old coffee sock and I'm just going to make a nice cup of black coffee uh, for the enjoyment of making it, the flavor, and maybe the little bit of, you know, kick that I get from it. 
that's that's how I imagine is the actual best way to drink coffee to squeeze it into a. I get that, but that's a world where people don't have jobs. <laughs> you know, or ticos, or ticos. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Either one, which is nice. It used to have mm-hmm. one of those. You know, the Tico coffee maker. I used to have one. I think I got rid of it, but because it didn't make enough coffee. But now, right. You know, looking back at it, maybe it did. Maybe um, I just overindulged. It made the perfect amount of coffee, probably. I bought one of those pour over. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, you know, it's like it's got the shape and it's got the thing and it's got the everything. You got a weigh stuff and it's a whole thing. And I thought, boy, this is great because it was during the pandemic. Like, I, I got time to sit here and weigh coffee. <laughs> Why not? And how nice does that look on Instagram? But uh, in the end, I only pull it out when the coffee maker breaks, right? Right. <laughs> which is once every three years. So that's, that's where I, I am on that. What, what are we going to do in the new year? Are we going to do anything ambitious with this, this podcast? Oh, or, or I don't know. Or, I, do we bring people on? Do we have a point? You know, I think we talked about when the pandemic sort of wound down and we kept doing this. We have yet to maybe hone in on a reason. Yeah. Well, I know my reason. I just like talking to you. That's my, that's reason. nice. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, that is, I mean, just two dudes need an excuse. You're really funny. <laughs> I'm good with that. <laughs> uh, it's almost my time. I got to shift gears and, yep. and get into uh, a different mode. Coffee so time. it's coffee time. I think this is where we say Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll think of something for 2024. Or we won't. Do you say many happy returns? Do, do we even know what that means? Is that a thing? I'm going to start saying old timey phrases. Many happy returns. My mom says Hogmanay, which I think is a Scottish what? thing. So oh boy. Happy Hogmanay. Thank you. Well, happy end to the between the years to you two. Is it after the years? Afterwards? Yeah. Okay. After years. Happy after year.